So last week, uh, when John T. kicked off this series, looking at the Great Commission, we looked at that first sentence. We went into detail on that first sentence that Jesus says in the second half of verse 13, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Um, So now we're moving on to the next little chunk. We're going through this nice and slowly, step by step. And we're looking today at the next phrase, therefore go and make disciples. Therefore go and make disciples. Just five words. It's a short little chunk, just five words. You'll be pleased to know I've managed to squeeze nine points out of five words. So bear with me. We've got five words. Therefore go and make disciples. But as we, as we start and we get stuck into this um, little, little section of what Jesus has to say, I want to imagine that we're at a primary school sports day. And we're at the start line of an egg and spoon race. Okay, so we've got everyone lined up, the teachers kind of doing everything they can to get them to stand in a straight line. Someone wants to run early, but we're getting them there. They're all there. And the teacher says, on your marks, get set, go. And first of all, we've got bolting Betty. And on the G of go, she's off. She's gone. She's chucked the spoon. She doesn't care about it. The egg's smashed. She's run over there. She's tripped over her shoelaces. She doesn't mind. Bolting Betty has gone. Next to Bolting Betty, we've got Frozen Freddy. The whole situation is just too much for Freddy. He looks at his egg and his spoon. His shoelaces are untied. And he's terrified. His mum is screaming from the side like, go on, Freddy. And he's stuck, frozen, overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And then at the end, we've got purposeful Pedro, who slowly but steadily steps his way forward. He keeps his egg perfectly balanced on his spoon. And he goes, and as he walks, and he keeps the spoon balanced, he picks up his pace a bit, and there's a smile on his face, and he gets excited as he keeps going. He builds momentum and confidence, knowing that he has the strength and the power to keep going. I wonder how you feel when you hear this command of Jesus, go and make disciples. Some of us will be like Betty, some of us will be like, great, let's go, come on, where are we going, let's go now. I'm sure... Some of us are like Freddie. It's overwhelming. I give so much to church already. I read my Bible. I try and pray. I try and be kind to everyone. And now you're telling me to go and make disciples as well. That's too much. That's too much. I just need to stay here. My prayer today is that we'd be more like Pedro, that we would be purposeful, that we would know that we've got the authority and the purpose to go. As Jesus says, go and make disciples, My prayer is that we as a church would go on that journey with the purpose and the authority to get to the end. And so those are our two points today. We're going to, as we think about this idea, go and make disciples. First of all, we're going to think about going with authority. And second of all, we're going to go with purpose. Okay, so we go with authority and we go with purpose. Don't worry, there weren't really nine points. So firstly... We go with authority. As Jesus says, therefore go, Jesus makes the point that this is a mission to go and make disciples which connects the divine divine authority of Jesus with a human mission and purpose to go. It connects the divine authority with a mission and purpose to go. You see, when you first start studying the Bible, there are two things you look at when you look at a passage. This is sort of 101. If you're ever thinking about learning how to preach or teach or anything like that, the first thing you look at is repeated words and phrases. So you see, what's the kind of general gist of going on here? 
And then the second thing you look at are connecting words. Words like also, and, moreover. And then the prince of all connecting words, therefore. And any sort of Bible study teacher will get really, really excited when you see the word therefore. Because therefore is a classic connecting word, right? It ties two phrases together. And it shows us that there's, there's a logical through flow from one to the other. That one is the result of the other. Okay, so here, as we're reading this passage, as we're seeing what Jesus has to say at the end of Matthew 28, we see all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. And here, Jesus isn't just being a grammar teacher, right? He's not just showing that he knows how to connect two clauses. This is a deeply profound and mysteriously beautiful connection between the authority of Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the one with the right and the ability to do everything for the good of others, connected to the mission to go and make disciples. For those that weren't here last week, we spent time thinking about the authority of Christ, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one whose authority is proven by the fact that here he is standing, risen from the dead, having been in the grave the day before. And as he says, therefore go, he connects the divine authority that he has with the human purpose to go. And this matters, right? Because to go and make disciples is not something I can do on my own. It's not something that we can do as individuals. To go and make disciples is to see transformation of people's hearts and minds so they see that Jesus is more glorious than anything else the world has to offer. To go and make disciples requires a divine intervention. It requires God to act. This is God's purpose, right? To bring people to himself. And what Jesus says is he says, therefore go, is he's inviting us, he's inviting his disciples in on his ministry. And we can't do it on our own. It's a bit like if you're in a dark room, right, it's pitch black, there's two or three of you are fumbling around, you have no idea what's going on. You're in a dark room and someone says, what do we need? You say, we need a light bulb, right? So they go, get a light bulb, somehow they find it. You've got a light bulb, and the room's still dark, right? The light bulb is useless, because the light bulb isn't connected to something that can drive it, isn't connected to something that gives it the power. It's totally useless. But as soon as the light bulb is connected to a lamp and it's turned on, it will shine brightly. Okay, and in much the same way, if I am going to try and go and make disciples on my own, I'm useless. I'm a light bulb disconnected from a lamp. I don't have the power to transform people's hearts and make them see Jesus. I can't do that. We can't do that. If we're going to make disciples, we have to be connected to the one with the authority. And so the good news for us today is that we are connected. Right? You are connected to the authority of Jesus. If you're trusting in him, and you are a disciple of Jesus. That just means a follower, someone that, someone that claims that Jesus is king. If you are connected to Jesus, you are connected to the authority that enables us to go and make disciples. And this connection is a connection of faith. It's a connection that says, if I say, Jesus, you are king, 
If I say, Jesus, yes, I am willing to go and make disciples for you. If I'm little frozen Freddy and I'm willing to take that first step, that connects me to the authority of Christ. So let's imagine the start line of our, of our egg and spoon race. For some reason, we're now in an airport, okay? So don't, don't worry about why, but we're in an airport. And little Freddy is standing there and he's, he's frozen. But there's one of those um, flat escalator things moving floors in front of him, and he says, okay, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm going to go. And all of a sudden, he's connected to the authority that carries him to the end. Just that one step, the one step of faith is what connects him to the authority to complete the journey. So if you are a Christian here today, it doesn't matter how weak you feel. It doesn't matter how intimidating and daunting that command to go and make disciples feels. If it fills you with trembling and fear, are connected to the authority of Jesus, the divine, eternal Son of God, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so we are connected, and we also have to stay connected, okay? We have to stay connected to that authority. It's so easy to become self-dependent, isn't it? I don't know... I don't know if you've ever been excited about inviting someone to an event, or we have this I Will exhibition that we've talked about a few times, and it was absolutely brilliant. And it's very easy to start tapping ourselves on the back and saying, yeah, we did really great, didn't we? Oh, next time we're going to do that again, and we're going to do it bigger, we're going to do it better. We have to stay connected to the authority of Christ. So we pray. We remember that this is God's work. It doesn't matter how eloquent or articulate we are at communicating the gospel. It doesn't matter how brilliant the events are or how brilliant our Sunday services are. As we have the authority of Christ, we are connected to his authority, and we have to stay connected to his authority. So we go with authority, and this means we can go with confidence and humility. We can go with confidence because it doesn't matter how weak we feel, we are connected to the authority of Christ, and we go with humility, because it doesn't matter how brilliant we are, everything we have is because of the, of the authority of Christ. So we go with a confident humility, and we go with expectation. We go with expectation. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, go. John T. mentioned earlier, when we're talking about possibly inviting someone to, to the Globe Connect course, it can feel like, oh, well, they're probably just going to say no, or, ah, oh, uh, no, they're not right, maybe someone else, or, or whatever it might be. All authority has been given to Jesus, therefore we go. If he has the authority to create and sustain the universe, if he has the authority to rise from the dead, just imagine what he can do if we go in his name if we go knowing we are connected to his authority. So we go with a confident humility, and we go with expectation that the Lord of the universe will work through our words and our actions, no matter how weak we feel. We go with expectation. So as we first look at the first word, we look at this word, therefore, we see that we go with the authority of Christ. And secondly, we go with purpose. We go with purpose. So Jesus says, therefore, go. For each of us, that will be very, very different, right? We all go to different places every day, right? 
A number of us will be going into conversations with our families. We might be going to our neighbors. We might be inviting them for coffee. We might be going to work day after day after day, slogging away at work. We might be going to another country. We might be going, we could be going to any number of places. But as we go, we go with a shared purpose, and that is to make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. We do not go aimlessly. Wherever we go, we go to make disciples. This is the purpose and the mission that Jesus hands down to his disciples. And I tell you what, to these 11 that he's speaking to here, it won't have been a surprise. It's not like, oh, he's been doing his whole ministry, he dies, he rises again, he's like, all right, then off to you, over to you, off you go. This is exactly the ministry that he has called them to from day one. Um, if you've got a Bible, flick back to Matthew chapter 4. Don't, I mean, don't worry too much about getting there, but Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. This is when Jesus first meets two of the men that are standing in front of him right now when he's speaking at the end. He meets um, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew in verse 18. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is the first time that Jesus has met these people. They don't have a clue who he is. And he said, okay, you're, you're fishermen. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's not just a play on words. Because to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a disciple maker. So when Jesus first calls these disciples, it's interesting, isn't it, that he doesn't say, come and follow me because I love you so much and your sins will be forgiven. Or come follow me because there's a new creation and one day you can be with God for eternity. Those things are true and there are other aspects of his ministry where Jesus goes in and preaches the kingdom of heaven when he first meets people. But here, when he meets these people who are going to be his disciples, he says, come and I will make you fishers of men. Literally, I will send you out to go and bring other people to me, to bring other people into my kingdom. So to be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. That is the purpose that we're called. And, and if you're not a Christian here today, if you don't yet call Jesus your king, I wonder if you knew that's what he wants of you. I wonder if you knew that's what he, he calls us to. I think some people can think that Christianity is all about following rules or just building numbers of people in a club or something like that. No, when, when Jesus speaks to people who are going to become his disciples, he says, come and join me on my mission. Come and take part in this divine mission on earth to gather people. And that's his invitation to you today. Come, follow me, go and make disciples. So this is the purpose of the Christian. The purpose of the disciple is to be a disciple maker. Um, and I thought we'd spend a bit of time thinking about what that looks like in practice. What does it look like practically to go and make disciples? If that's what Jesus calls us to do. What are we to then actually go and do in the world? Now, the brilliant thing about the Bible is that you've got this, and then you've got loads of sequels as you look through the Old Testament, New Testament. You've got loads of examples of the apostles going out into the world and actively trying to do this, trying to make disciples, to follow Jesus' commands. Um, so I'm just going to flip quickly to Thessalonians. Um, again, helpful if, you, if you'd like to turn there. Um, we're looking at Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. 
Um, and Thessalonians is written by a guy called Paul, so he was, the, he was the 12th apostle, so he joined these 11 um, shortly after Jesus spoke to them here. And he went to a town called Thessalonica. Thessalonica was full of people who didn't know Jesus, and he and two of his friends, Silas and Timothy, went there, and they went on this mission to go and make disciples. Okay, that's the purpose with which they went. And Paul describes in chapters 1 and 2 the kind of relationship that he had with the Thessalonians while he was there. And he summarizes it beautifully in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. He says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So Paul sets this sort of blueprint for what it looks like to go and make disciples. And there's two things in there, right? Sharing lives and sharing the gospel. Caring for people, getting to know them, loving them, and preaching the gospel faithfully, telling people the good news. And this is a pattern of ministry that we see throughout the New Testament. We see it in Jesus' life as well. When he meets people, we, talk, we hear of him sitting and eating with tax collectors, going to dinner with them, and preaching the kingdom of heaven to them. We share lives, and we share the gospel. So what does it look like to share our lives with people? I think it's really not that complicated. What, what do you do in your life? And whatever you do, wherever you go, whoever you are, whatever unique and special and beautiful characteristics Jesus has given you, Share that with people. We open our homes and we eat with people. We laugh with them. We care for people's needs. If we see someone in need, we go towards them and we provide what we can. Maybe we want to go for a walk along the river in the sunshine with a friend. Or go for coffee. We play football together. Go for a run. Maybe we go to the theater, an art exhibition. Talk about what's on the telly. Read a book together. Go to a book group. You get the point. What do we do? We share our lives with people. We cry with those who are grieving. We pop the champagne when there's cause for celebration. We share our lives with people. I don't think we need to overcomplicate it. I think so much of what we do the Christian, in churches, we call it evangelism. And we talk about all of these things we have to put in place to try and take the gospel to the world. I think the, when you look at the New Testament and you look at the way the apostles did it and you look at the way that Jesus did it, they got to know people, they loved them, they cared for them, they opened their doors to them, they went into their homes and they shared their lives with the people around them. And that is what we're called to do. That's part of what it means to go and make disciples. So we share our lives with people. And we share the gospel as well. Paul let us set out this framework, didn't he? Not only did we share our lives with you, but we shared the gospel as well. There's a popular... A Christian saying, which is sometimes attributed uh, to a guy called Francis of Assisi, that says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And the implication being, if we love people authentically enough, if we're radically and compassionately open with our lives, we might not ever have to use words to tell the gospel. I think the apostles and the New Testament would challenge that. I think when you look at what Paul says in Thessalonians, he says, we shared the gospel as well. You look at Romans, and in Romans chapter 10, it says the, God, the eternal life is available for everyone who believes, but how are they going to believe if they haven't heard? 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How wonderful is it when people take the gospel to people. Or in um, Colossians chapter 4, talk about making the most of every opportunity. Make sure your conversations are seasoned with salt and speak of Jesus at every opportunity. There is a clear thread throughout the New Testament that the most common way that people hear and trust the gospel is when the believers of Jesus take the gospel to them and they speak it. So we share our lives and we share the gospel. So I would make a slight tweak to Francis of Assisi's saying, preach the gospel at all times and when you have the opportunity, use words. Preach the gospel at all times and when you have the opportunity, use words. So we're living, loving, radically compassionate lives, sharing our lives with people and we're sharing the gospel with them as well. And if you don't know the gospel here today, here it is. God loves you. God created you and he loves you. He loves you even though you don't love him most of the time. He loves you even if you actively hate him. He loves you so much that even though you have turned away from him and what you deserve is to be separated from him, he sent his son, his one and only son Jesus, to die, to take the punishment of God so that if you can trust in Jesus, you can be with him for eternity. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life with God. That is the gospel. And it centers on Jesus. It centers on the death and resurrection of the Jesus. It's so fitting that we're talking about the resurrection earlier today. That is the cornerstone of our faith. As Emma so helpfully showed us, like, there's nothing valuable in what we preach if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead. That is the center and the cornerstone of everything we believe. And so as we look to go on this mission to go and make disciples, we're sharing our lives with people radically, and we're speaking words that point people towards this gospel, this good news. Now, that's not to say that every conversation we have has to be as full and intense as that last minute from me. (laughs) It'd be interesting people if it was. But it does mean that as we're more like Pedro, going steadily, purposefully towards the end, we're thinking about how we can point people towards Jesus. What can I say in my conversations with people that might create the opportunity for a conversation about grace, about free gifts, freely given? Or what can I say in my conversation with people that can talk about redemption, the fact that there was a price that had to be paid and it was paid for by God? How can I use the opportunities that I'm faced with to point the conversation towards something that might help share the gospel? So we need to do both of these things. We need to share our lives, and we need to share the gospel. And we need to do both of these things in balance. John T. last week shared the illustration of a sort of lopsided weightlifter when we talk about gathering and bringing, loving one another in church and going out. And I think the same is true for the way that we go, right? We don't want to become lopsided to one side of sharing life and sharing gospel. There are churches and Christians, and historically it's happened all over the place, who have majored on preaching the gospel. We're going to be truthful We're going to be faithful to the gospel. 
We're going to be really, really clear on what we believe, but they forget to love the people that they're preaching to. They forget to share their homes with people. They forget to open their lives and and be compassionate to people. And so when that gets into the extreme cases, you see the hypocrisy and you get this hypocritical, hyper-committed to the truth kind of Christianity that is unattractive and, and people can be quite fearful of. And clearly that's no good. And then you get other sorts of churches and Christians and and people who are so committed to sharing life with one another, but they forget to preach the gospel or they put the gospel to one side. They're worried that if we talk about Jesus, that might be a bit intense or it might create barriers. And so what we're really going to do is we're going to love people. We're going to feed them. We're going to home them. We're going to give them shelters. We're going to do all sorts of things. And please don't hear me wrong. Those are brilliant activities, brilliant projects, wonderful things to be a part of. But if we do just those things, then the church starts to become a bit like a a care provider. And we lose sight of the fact that there is a gospel that can provide eternal life. We lose sight of the fact that there is so much more than what there is available on this earth. And we become about transforming people's lives today and, and forgetting about the future and the eternity that God has to offer. And, and clearly, that's no good either. And by God's grace and in his mercy and power, he has used churches that fall the wrong sides of these spectrums throughout history to bring people to himself. God is powerful. The authority of Christ is powerful to make disciples even where we go wrong. But as we go, we're called to make disciples. We want to live lives that share our lives, and we want to share the gospel as well. And so as we go, we go with authority, knowing that we are connected to Christ, the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. And we go with purpose to make disciples, to share our lives, and share the gospel with the people we come across. So we're going to end with um, a couple of practical implementations, applications of this. Firstly, ask yourselves, where am I going? Now, I'm not suggesting we all kind of propel ourselves into some existential crisis about where we're going, where we should go. I mean, literally, tomorrow, where am I going? Where is the place that I will go? And, And when I go there, how can I seek to make disciples? Maybe you're going to netball club. Maybe you're going to cinema with friends. Maybe you're going to work. What are you going to do there? My prayer today that is as you go there, you don't just go, but you go and make disciples. I'm going to apply this very directly to two of my friends who um, are tomorrow getting on a plane to New York. Jong and Suji have been in London for the last uh, four or five years. Tomorrow they're moving to New York. And my prayer for you guys is that when you go to New York, you don't just go, you go and make disciples in New York. That's the mission that Jesus has called us to. But where are we going? And how can we make disciples there? Second practical point, pray for a person. Pick a person and pray for them. Remember that as we go, we're connected to the authority of Christ and we have to stay connected. And it can feel so overwhelming, can't it? And with just remembering Frozen Freddy stuck on the start line, where do I go? I'm going to see... 20 people today, how am I going to take this gospel to all of them? Pick a person and pray. Pray that God would move in that person's heart. Pray that God would open the door for an opportunity to create a conversation about the gospel. 
Pray for a person. Thirdly, speak of Jesus. This can be the hardest bit of all of this, right? It's, it's easy sometimes to sort of talk of, of Christianity, um, to talk of some of the things that we do at church, to invite people to an event. As we seek to go and make disciples, we, as we speak of Jesus, we will point people towards the one who can save them. We will point people towards the one who we are called to follow. So find ways, ask God for the courage and the boldness to speak of Jesus. And my prayer is that as we do that, we would encourage people to look to him. So try speaking of Jesus. Penultimately, (laughs) gather together. One of the ways to go and to make disciples is to gather. That's why we meet on a Sunday. That's why our vision as a church family is to gather together and then go together. Because as we gather together as Christians, we look at God's word. We look at Christ together. We worship him. We praise him. We get encouraged. And then that leads us to our final point, which is then we can go together. The most practical application is we go as a church. Is there someone that you can go with? Could you join a club with someone? Could you start a book group with someone? Someone else in this room right now? Who could you go with? on this mission to make disciples. Or maybe you could pray for someone. We can go together by praying for each other across the church family. We can support one another as we go. Maybe there's a Christian colleague at work. How do we go together on this mission? So there are a few practical things that we can take away. And and let's be praying as we go out today about each one of those. What are the opportunities that we have? As we seek to go on this mission, as Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Let's try and be practical this week. And let me pray together. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we long to be a church that goes in your name. We long to be a church that goes and makes disciples of this city. So, Lord, we pray for your authority as we go this week. We pray that we would know the authority of Christ, the one who created and sustained the universe, carrying us on our journey to go and make disciples. We pray that we would know that authority. And, Lord, we pray that we would also know the purpose of Christ to make disciples. Lord, keep us focused on that. Help us to see opportunities to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.